Hello, everyone. And hello, hello, and welcome to Devilish Bookworms, the podcast. Where we read and review pieces and of literary perfection. We're out here spreading book cheeks. Hey, I know. Kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So this week, I am prepared. We have Cold Rising by Rowan O'Dwell. This is his first novella. And we are reading it. Well, we already read it. You're reading it. We're reviewing it. And we're going to enjoy it. So, normally, I am not prepared for when Rachel goes, So, Jen, do you want to do the summary? (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the book. (laughs) I am freaking prepared. That's what I like to hear. I don't know what happened this week besides me working a thousand hours. I am prepared, though. I know. So, here we go. Picture this. This is the year. 20 20- Sicily, 1926. <laughs> you know, I, I, kind, I so had that prepared to it. <laughs> I was like, I got to set the scene. So, picture <laughs> this. Year is 2324. Earth, it'll work how it used to okay the resources are depleted they're still living there but it ain't all kosher anymore okay the rich and powerful people they're actually taken up on mars to rule the manufacturing company and well they're a bunch of assholes they have a bunch of children working <laughs> for them i'm sorry i had to say it like that because there are children working in mining camps think of the that. children <laughs> we will get back to that don't you worry. What happens is we're starting out in a scene where you've got these people trying to break into a company to steal software, which kind of love that. First thing is breaking and entering. I love it. What we're seeing is a bunch of what they call mechs, which are people that are in drone outfits that are chasing after them to try to get this illegal software that they're stealing. And they're from a major company that is going to try to take care of this little company that's trying to take over with AI. So we have Olgo and Suwang, and they kind of come together in separate stories and end up needing each other to survive and get back to Olgo's mission, which is restructuring this planet. So children no longer are forced to work at 12 or 14 years old and the policies of the un and the employment rights are actually being followed so let's dive right in so from the very first page i am obsessed with the tone so the first chapter or like the the preface is really okay i'm gonna say a thing and hopefully you understand what that means i love when dudes are just being dudes like the beginning of this very much felt like i don't know if any of you have seen riddick jen i know you've seen riddick a thousand and a half times it's it's a hundred percent to me feels like that part in riddick where well riddick is stolen by the dude with the gravelly voice love that voice by the way and the gnarly Mm. sideburns and is literally just like a bunch of dudes on a ship just being dudes you know (laughs) and it's like i just love the tone that we're immediately thrust into when we open the book and are introduced to these characters yes i i really agree and uh, honestly the whole fact that there was like a rumble 
within the first like couple of pages i love that i love action i love sci-fi so when you get both of it together i'm like yes (laughs) so i was really digging that and when i say dudes like i'm not meaning a specific gender it's just like like dudes just being dudes you know what i mean i'm a dude you're a dude he she they're dudes so it's literally just a bunch of grungy like just dudes on a ship man they have a mission they're going to get their mission and i just i don't know i just love that i do agree it gave riddick vibes but the thing that i kind of remembered was the doctor who episode where yes (laughs) okay so this whole book kind of reminded me of that episode I'm so glad that you caught on to that too, because literally I was going to wait a little bit longer before I said that, but a hundred percent, it was like a Doctor Who episode to me, or like all of the spaceship episodes just in one. Yes. You've got the action part. You've got the evil artificial intelligent robots that are, uh, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but basically it wasn't thinking for them, but it was, it, it was predicting human behavior, which was freaking cool. <laughs> so, I mean, that just set the tone right there because then you think about it, they mentioned that there was another AI takeover that artificial intelligence was like, ah, human life, we need to get rid of a billion people. We'll just kill them and everything will be fine. Hmm. So, hmm. so, definitely sounds like a little Thanos episode. <laughs> <laughs> little Thanos to me. <laughs> Um, there's a quote that I really loved in the beginning and it's strike first, worry about being dead later. I just thought that was such a cool, like such a cool, like sergeant thing to say to the team. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it guys. Like we're all in, we'll get there and then we'll worry about what happens after, after. I'm not going to lie within the first like a couple of pages that they tell you about this equipment called MCOD, which is a brainwave control device which inhibits their anxiety null and void and i'm like i want one of those can we please invent that because i want to push a button on the side of my head and be like no anxiety thanks that sounds awful oh i know it sounds great sounds like i could actually survive a day without having a freaking panic attack yeah but then like remove all semblance of humanity for you from you i'm good but it it really wasn't removing all of the humanity it was just how much you chose to let in because you remember like olgo kept pressing the button to push back the emotions it wasn't a fact of it automatically pushing back those emotions they had control i mean there is a baseline that they keep you at but i mean i would love that i would love to be at a straight baseline and then freaking be able to not have those panic attacks and be able to focus more on work that's cool but hey i'm i'm the tech nerd okay well no but it's literally just a way of like popping pills it's just it's literally just oh you're a tad bit upset let's just pop pills and make that go away until you're upset later and then we'll pop pills later and make that go away and then we'll do it again later well i mean i think that's where user discretion kind of is advised you know it's kind of like alcohol okay i i manage a packy so you see these people that come in and use alcohol to remove their emotions but there are other people that drink to just enjoy i don't know it, it it's kind of like uh, user discretion because i mean weed's legal at least in this state and freaking alcohol is legal so i mean what's the difference yeah i mean that but that's a whole different other topic that is a whole freaking other topic let's get back to the book 
I don't know if you caught this quote, but quote was humans have an inherent need to put everyone into a neat little box. I'm like, that is absolutely true. I don't know what it is about everybody, but we do need to put them in a box. Oh, you're a female. You're a male. You're this. You're that. Whatever it may be. You're black. You're white. You're you're a gamer. You're a book nerd. You're you're street smart. You're book smart. <laughs> Everybody's got that that perfect little box that they they think that they belong into, and I love that this author chose not to let that defy him. I love how everyone just kind of like fit seamlessly together. You know what I mean? And and Olga had opinions on it. It was kind of like, you know, I don't know why they insist on using, you know, pronouns. And that's one, that's their opinion. You know what I mean? And I love that we're able to see his opinion and whether or not you share the opinion from, the, from then on, it's just kind of like, well, this is how it is, you know? We use these pronouns for this. We use pre- these pre- pronouns for this. And I, I almost feel like that's kind of where we're headed anyway is, you know, kind of like my name is Rachel. These are my pronouns. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's actually already started. Uh, there are a lot of businesses that actually have that on their, their name tags now. So, I mean, it is out there. Mm-hmm. So, Olgo is a Micron agent and runs a team with stevie and gleb i hope that's how you say that because that that name it, it, my brain said my brain said glebe <laughs> okay because mine did too but i was like Glee-bee. it can't be i was like okay i'm just gonna call him gleb i don't care anyway. what it's really pronounced it's glebe in my head <laughs> i love that so they run a team where they're undercover agents and they basically do the government's dirty work and cover it up, which is okay. I love that. I love, <laughs> I love secret agents and ah, yes. And yet so, you've never seen Scandal. Nope. Jen, you need I, to watch it. You need I, to. It's I will stunning. watch it eventually. Carrie Washington's a goddess. When I have more time, I will watch Ugh, it. And Tony okay. Goldwyn. I prefer to watch Doctor Who. Just say it. So Olgo and their comrades travel to Mars to do the dirty work of uh, Micron CEO. Uh, she asked him to go look at the the whole entire planet, see the working conditions, and improve them. Because she had a bad feeling that there was a lot of things going on that shouldn't be. And that's where we meet Suong. She was 12. She works in the tunnels cleaning machines. And she's such a tiny little girl that she can do these different things and get in crevices that other people can't. So that that's why they use children. And one of the, the horrible parts of this book, it was good, but it was horrible because a child is still in a machine cleaning while one of the machine workers turns on the machine and it it really really affects Suyang. She's traumatized by seeing this kid come out unconscious and blistered and you could tell right away that she she's kind of already seen a lot. She's had to deal with a lot and she's she's so young. So I do love obviously this on earth and on mars and everything you know it's very classist it's very you know we're up here you're down there and the two don't intermingle 
I do love the fact that the CEO of the company asks Olgo their opinion because one of the worst managing traits that I've seen is when someone doesn't take into consideration the opinion of the people who are actually doing the work. You know, I think that, you know, people who are the heads of, head of companies and the ones making all the decisions, so often they think that they're doing the right thing that they don't even consider what that actually looks like. And while, of course, you want the people who are in charge to make decisions based on the best interest of the people, however, they do it very one-sided most of the time. And so everyone in this room is like, um, we don't want your opinion. We don't care. Like the actual, the, the quote is, um, this is a meeting of the board, which doesn't include unqualified opinions from the bottom floors. But worker bees arguably are more qualified than the leaders, you know? Uh, Absolutely. They're on the floor. They're make they're enforcing the decisions. They're the ones who are are working with this day to day. And there's a huge, of course, there's a huge need for the higher ups and for you know people in charge. But to solely make decisions without even considering feedback from the people who are enforcing those decisions is the most asinine thing to me. So I love the fact that the CEO is is like, okay, you're down there on the ground. Your feet are on the ground. What do you think about this? There was one part that I really liked, which was with Olgo's boss, Klein. After the whole board meeting, he tries to descend to the office and writes that arguing with Klein was like playing chess with a pigeon. No matter what move you made, he would just knock over all the pieces and shit all over the board. <laughs> <laughs> I died laughing at this because of the fact that I was like, it's an automatic childish response because mm-hmm. you didn't get your way. And that's what bosses do. Like they don't get their way from their employees. They just kind of like throw everything apart and then be like, fuck you and you fix it. And it's, it's just like, it's one of those things where I love that he was so abrupt about it. <laughs> Yeah, there. I, I think we definitely all have had bosses that like that who are just kind of like, no, no, you do what I say. You do what I say. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not fucking. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to work with that kind of environment anymore. I've told my boss straight to his face. I'm not a yes man. I will tell you straight to your face if I don't like what you're saying. Mm. Don't doubt me. And he he's been confronted many times i feel bad because the poor man has to deal with his wife and then he has to deal with me and all goes the same way you know very much that you know i i'm not going to just say what you want to hear just because you want to hear it yes very much so then of course you had tasha the secretary that was kind of like hey don't say that don't say anything Uh, you leave that alone So Tasha, I feel like I actually, I really liked her character. And I think that she's just the absolute embodiment of what happens when you turn a blind eye and you don't care enough about something to try and learn about it. You know, Olko is very much saying like, um, do you see what's going on down here? Like, do you see the the divide in the classes? And, and Tasha, Tasha's just like, yeah, no, it's fine it's fine you know like no it doesn't have to change everything's good everything's kosher it's just just, it's the way it's always been and then you know it's easy it's easy to have an opinion 
especially when you don't know what you're having an opinion on, when you don't know what's really going on. And I always say, like, if you're going to have an opinion, it's your responsibility to educate yourself on the subject matter. Because once she finds out how horrible it is, you know, she could, she's, she's walking down there and she's got her arms wrapped around herself and she's looking everywhere and she's, you know, and they're seeing people who are way past the age where they should be working, you know, gray beards down to their ankles. And it's like, really? Like, you think this is okay? Just because you didn't think that it was important for you to educate yourself on anything? You know, it's like... (laughs) It's like being upset that the circus is closed, but not taking it upon yourself to try and understand the the animal abuse that's going on behind closed doors. Or it's it's easy to have the opinion that, oh, writers and actors don't do anything. They need to get real jobs when it's like you have no idea what it takes to do that. So I just love the fact that Tasha was able to become educated on the opinion that she had. Yeah, and towards the end she kind of found out the hard way of what the guild was really about and mm-hmm. uh because we haven't brought up the guild they are essentially the mafia of mars and <laughs> i love that description because it's like you automatically know that they're fucking awful they're going to do things that they shouldn't and i'm here for that like obviously i don't i mean unless there's a mafia member listening in which case we're not here for that yes no not (laughs) sorry those are pretty strong claims there jeff (laughs) (laughs) sorry i thought about a book that i was reading about a mafia person and let's no let's stay on topic of this book (laughs) (laughs) these opinions the opinions being expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of either Rachel or Jen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a review podcast, but it's not our opinions. <laughs> I know, right? Literally, it's, I, we're the ones talking about it. We're the ones. <laughs> Don't mind us. <laughs> Don't mind us. Oh, goodness. But so the guild, like I said, basically the mafia and they literally run this entire planet and everybody's like okay so what kind of power do they have they have all the power except do they really we find out that you know olgo is going to test their power and boy does he learn a lesson because uh olgo is basically fuck around and find out (laughs) yes Fuck around and find out, because Olga actually found out. Let me tell you, Su Wong, I know we kind of mentioned her very briefly, will meet Olgo later on uh, in the book, but they meet, in of all places, the pit, the underground, where he's trying to actually improve the working environment. Now, suan do you want to go ahead and talk about her a little bit because so i know that this is a weird thing to say and i hope that everyone understands what i mean when i say it because i i i think that we've established the fact that i am 100 percent behind the idea that you do not hurt children okay so this is not coming from that place at all i love the trope of an unfit guardian 
being paired up with like a child who doesn't have anyone else like i don't know anyone i, I don't know oh, i know that there's some controversy between like leon the professional but i love I'm that movie i was just gonna bring uh, up i love that movie i love that movie or like any any there's so many it's such a I, to me it's such a fun trope because it's literally just like you never know what you're capable of until you're thrown into that position. You know, um, what's that movie with Brittany Murphy and um, Dakota Fanning? Uh, Uptown Girls. Uptown Girls. That's another um, example of that. There's also there's a movie called uh, Life As We Know It that Katherine Heigl made with the absolutely dreamy Josh Duhamel. And that's the same thing where they, you know, like they come across they they couldn't they don't come across the baby <laughs> they're just walking on the street they pick one up <laughs> no but that like neither of them are are qualified to, to care for a child and then they inherit a baby i i don't know why i just think that's such a fun plot device kind of knew you know when we were having both of their points of view i was like oh these two are gonna have to save the world got it <laughs> yeah it was very obvious that they would definitely meet and uh i don't like how they met i i'm going to say this because of the fact that it was grotesque and i love grotesque but i was reading this at work and suan oh this poor this poor little girl she's been through it little honey i couldn't even imagine so picture this here we are underground Suwon just got finished with a day of, uh, of work. She's with her best friend. And they're going to try to lay eyes on this famous person that they hear about coming into their city called the Breaker. Okay. And this person is supposed to be saving their lives. And what they didn't realize at first was everything was going to go wrong. And Suwon kind of eventually felt that vibe that something was wrong. So she looked around, she tapped her best friend, said, we should get out of here. And they went to start leaving and she kind of got sucked into the crowd. And, oh, this poor honey was just, she was going to be crushed to death because she was so small. Wait, was that the same? Hold on. Was that the same scene? Because I thought that that was not the same scene. No, that was the same scene. Because I thought that they went to the rally and then the people, the grungy guys in the... um... Okay, no, you're thinking of the earlier scene. That that happened first. So when they went to go meet the breaker, all of a sudden all the people rushed in to try to get glimpses of of them and then all of a sudden the crowd turned angry when olgo and the um the ops team were rushed into the truck to try to quote unquote save them from being harassed by the crowds that's when everybody got pissed off and started running towards the truck she kind of got sucked in and the guy tried to save her I thought that was so sweet. It was it was literally just the most beautiful act of kindness, you know, and I love it when people do things that are not asked of them just to try and improve the life of someone else, you know, and a lot of people I know 
I know that there are a lot of people who would be like, well, yeah, you know, you have to try and save. But when push comes to shove, not everyone does that, you know. And it's kind of human nature to just kind of like run and go and try and save yourself. But for someone to stop and be like, no, we need to save you. You know, I just thought that was such, I thought that was such a beautiful little thing to add, you know, just that little side character who just happens to do something amazing. Absolutely. Especially with all the, the shit that was going wrong. Like everybody was just working for themselves and then here's this guy that just decides to do one last act of kindness with his last breath and oh that part was beautiful i can't lie i did laugh when she's running on top of people trying to get herself out after he hoisted her up (laughs) and she fell and knocked herself out on a lamppost (laughs) I'm sorry. I know that's cruel. I I shouldn't laugh at that, but it it was we a laugh very at important. dark things. <laughs> yeah, we I do. But the the major thing here was it had to happen. If that didn't happen, we wouldn't have the grotesque scene where she finally meets Olgo. Okay, now this poor honey got scooped up into the pile of dead bodies so what they did is they actually put them in this cavern and then just left them there just a bunch of people it was so horrific to read it but then to to read how she woke up because she was unconscious during this whole point and she oh i'm gonna get grossed out just talking about (laughs) it there's she when she wakes up i I genuinely thought that this image was stunning like it was it was gross and horrific but it was kind of it was reminiscent of like frankenstein or like dr jekyll and hyde like that that old school kind of you know imagery Cause she's laying, she realizes, you know, when she wakes up, she, she realizes that she's laying on stuff. She doesn't know what this stuff is and she's holding someone's hand. And then the way that it was written was kind of perfect. Cause it was like, she wakes up, she feels a hand in hers. Then she feels that the hand is sweaty and clammy, but why is the hand cold? And then she realizes that she was holding the hand of someone who was dead. And I just thought that was so, so reminiscent of like, you know, a Penny Dreadful or like, you know, one of those classic horror novels. Yeah, but it was really gross for her to stick her fingers up the nose of a dead body. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, as I was reading it at work, I, I made that noise. I, I gagged. I was so disgusted. My face looked horrified. My coworker was like, what is wrong? I'm like, I'm reading this really disgusting part in this book. It, but it stuck with you. It's like, you couldn't not visually see what he was describing. So, ew, but thank you. Because, <laughs> like, I, I got the full sense of that part. So yeah, wow. Anyways, 
after you get that part, we actually kind of fast forward and we find out the guild got Olgo and his buddies kind of turned on him and uh, decided to try to attack Olgo. And uh, one died. The other one was on his way to getting killed because he betrayed his buddy and with the betrayal he was told that he had to kill Odo and because the guy couldn't do it he ended up attacking the guards and trying to save both of their lives but still lost his own life so yeah Olgo ends up in this cavern trapped with Suong who uh they know was there at first because she was in the pile of dead bodies and she goes hello are you there (laughs) like talk about creepy you have a a child's voice in this a completely dark cavern you can't see a damn thing and all of a sudden you hear this hello are you there i fucking (laughs) freak out man especially because it's a little girl oh god it just it gave me grudge vibes like Ew, stop. <laughs> yes you know like, how i feel about that i know but just imagine that that thing coming at you after saying hello <laughs> guess what i will not be thinking about that <laughs> the worst part about this cavern they have no air they have no light they have no way to get out of there because they bomb the entrance so now they got to try to find a way out and they find a tunnel but it's a little higher than they can reach. And uh, as Suang puts it, Olgo is an earther. Olgo can't climb. Okay. So that means they have to use whatever they have at their disposal, which was a pile of dead bodies that they use to create a ramp to climb up to the tunnel. Ugh. Again, gross. But visually, you could see it happening. I mean, you couldn't not see that happening. <laughs> and, uh, well, it, they did get to the top. And uh, then they met the shadows. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if you caught this, but there was, like, basically rat people living in the, the sewers. Which, again, Doctor Who, it reminded me of when the pigs were in the tunnels. <laughs> And they were they they were being eaten or uh, people were just going missing, and that that's kind of like what these people were. They were the the shadow people that no one really talked to. They were fucking insane, living in the, the tunnels where no one ever really was. So they were your basic psychotic Hannibal Lecters, okay? Except there was a bunch of them that they were going to eat Suan. And Olgo, disgusting. Again, disgusting. But <laughs> at the same time, Suan was a fucking little scrappy little shit. I love her. Like, she literally crawled up to these freaking people while they were sleeping, got Olgo, crawled out, and was like, okay, we can rest here. Let's take a nap. <laughs> and just gone. Like, <laughs> She she was, like, so unfazed by some of what she went through. That's how you knew she went through so freaking much. And only being 12. Like, what the fuck? My favorite comedian is Christopher Titus. And Christopher Titus, in, he, in his first special, Norman Rockwell is Bleeding, he has a joke 
And by the way, Christopher Titus, not for the faint of heart, but he has a joke where people who were like, you know, born on the right, wrong side of the tracks and who, you know, had to like, had adversities growing up and all this stuff, like we become accustomed to dealing when shit hits the fan. And so his joke, Christopher Titus's joke is basically people who are privileged and grew up with all these nice things and never having to deal with anything when when shit hits the fan they don't know what to do whereas we step out from behind the fan (laughs) and so i just love that it was very it just made me think of that (laughs) no like she was so resilient she knew what to do when shit hit the fan she just stepped out from behind the fan yeah she really did and i don't think Olga would have actually survived if it wasn't for this child. And I I think they had a sense of that because it was it, there was one moment where Olga called Suan the boss because she knew how to survive in those tunnels, how to feel for the the air circulating that way she could tell okay, this is an open area or this area we can't get through because there's no air circulation. Like someone who's an ops trained person that had no idea how to survive in the this moment was just kind of like a holy shit kind of moment when you have this child that's like thriving in this. So honestly she was my favorite character because she was just a badass. Yeah, I love that. I just love that. I don't even have anything to add because you just said it so perfectly. Like, she was a badass. She really was. So to kind of continue on with the whole story here, they do end up finding their way away from the shadow people and end up getting back to civilization. And what happens is Olgo kind of has to recover. Because, you know, been through it, beaten and burned. They end up sticking with Suan's boss's friends, cover for a couple weeks, and then moves to get back into position of power, which was an agent readapting this planet. And uh, when Olga appears out of nowhere, everybody thought Olga was dead. And I'm here. I'm alive. Here's what's going to happen, and this is what we're going to do. Olgo ends up, you know, making all these plans. You're going to debrief everybody. We're going to go through here, and we're going to shut down this guild. Well, they rallied up the guild, and then the guild didn't make it back alive. Olgo decided, well, you know what? You killed everybody that Suan knew. This is the year of retribution. Boom. All of you dead. Fantastic. (laughs) So one thing with this book or with this novella, um, I want more. I want more. I it's a novella, so it's small and it's a it's you know, it's a portion. Um, well, it's a full story, but I I want more. (laughs) So I I know that the author does have other works out there. This is the first. This is his first novella, um, but I really like. I hope that you know in the future, like future projects, dive a little bit more into the story and you know what happens next with Olgo. No, I agree that we need more because uh, I think we kind of were lacking of backstory. Yes, we did get the whole gunfight in the beginning, and then we 
got a little bit of to know of Olgo and the team. I don't know. I just I needed more because it didn't give me their character well enough. Um, I kind of had to fill in pieces and I don't mind filling in pieces. But when you have a character like Stevie, I want a little bit more. I, I want to know what made them crazy. I want to know what made Olgo be such a a my way or the highway type of person. What happened to Suwon's family beforehand to to come into that situation? I don't know. There there was so much that that could have been explained more, or even Tosh or Tasha. Like what happened to her? She was locked in a cell, and that's all we got. Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I yes I I very much love the idea of not answering all the questions some questions just have to not be answered um because it's I don't I, I don't necessarily love it when everything is tied up with a neat little bow but with this story specifically I just feel like there's so much more not world building I don't want more world building I love that there were a few things in there that were there they, they touched on without explaining what that was so there's my favorite part of the book there's a section where suang is she's scrubbing the floors i think and she's daydreaming about a dress that she had seen or that she had had an interaction with and her idea of success was basically you know one day i'm gonna get a dress and it's gonna be beautiful and all this stuff and i love that there was explanation on the scenario in which this this memory but it wasn't explained I feel like some people go too far into like okay we have this festival in the town and then this is why there's a festival and this is what happens at the festival and then this is everyone's opinions on the festival and in this memory it was literally just like we were at this thing there was a dress we don't care about the festival it's just there was a thing and we had a dress (laughs) But there was just, there's just so much more that I want for the, that I want to know about the characters. So I really hope that we get to see more about that in the future. So this book was actually written by Rowan Odwill, who lives in Ireland. He was a chef for the longest time before he decided that he wanted to pursue a career as an author, which I love for him. Um, Actually, becoming an author is a very big achievement for him because he actually has dyslexia. And it's something that he didn't even, from what I understand, it's something that he didn't even realize that he had until he became an author. And so he, unfortunately, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. He, unfortunately, um, kind of suffered through what a lot of people suffer through when when their way of learning is not understood where people just kind of like told him he was dumb and that he, you know, didn't understand, couldn't learn and didn't understand and and all, all of these things. And that's something that's kind of like close to my heart because everyone learns differently, you know, And, and trying to present information the exact same way across the board to everyone is never going to work. And what happens when you do that is you lose out on great minds, on great work, on great, employees or you discourage people from following dreams or being able to enjoy reading a book and I think that that's one of the biggest tragedies when it comes to trying to fit everyone in this little box but 
Rowan did an amazing thing, you know, overcoming that and, and deciding that he was going to become an author. If you want to learn more about the author, he is on Instagram and X, which was Twitter. <laughs> um, on Twitter slash X, his handle is at R-O-H-A-N underscore O-D-U-I-L-L. And then if you want to follow him on Instagram, his Instagram handle is author underscore chef underscore Rowan O'Doyle, which is A-U-T-H-O-R underscore C-H-E-F underscore R-O-H-A-N-O-D-U-I-L-L. And he has such a fun, he has such a fun Instagram. If you love food and you love archery and you love books and pictures of the most adorable little boy I've ever seen. He has a photo of him and his son where it's literally just them sitting and it's just them sitting reading books and it's so cute. I just can't handle it. But yes, go ahead and check him out there. He is also... He is also one of the founders of Lower Deck Press, um, and I'm going to read this directly from the About the Author at the end of the book. It is, it publishes an annual charity anthology along with a bi-monthly flash fiction mag, all created in the Cruise Quarters writing group. And then he also has a blog. And so Rowan has a lot going on. <laughs> I guess so. I mean... Honestly, I absolutely give kudos for the whole dyslexia and writing thing because, hello, I have dyslexia and, well, it, it's not an easy thing to, to deal with, but congratulations, Rowan. Hey. All, All right, right, Jen. So go ahead and introduce to the children the book that we are reading next week. Oh no, I'm not prepared. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> She's so, guys. <laughs> Can we just get a round of applause for how prepared Jen was for not only this book that we read um, and recorded for today, but also next week's book. She has been working like 45 days straight um, and she's tired, but she still showed up because we're on a mission to be successful. Okay, listen, it wasn't 45 days straight, but there was a couple of uh, long ass shifts there. Approximately uh-huh. forty-five days. <laughs> oh God, I'm I'm still going. I I've kidding. literally got a fourteen-day stint, and I'm already halfway through it, and I'm just I feel like I'm dying. Woo woo, halfway point. Ah, uh, anyways, next week we are reading "The Broken Heart" by N. J. Gallegos, and Yay! we are excited. I'm so jazzed. Is it because I pronounced it correct? <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you for listening everybody like subscribe and do all of the above comments and likes and yeah and all love the us. stuff love us <laughs> <laughs> all right guys see you next week bye bye <laughs>